Good afternoon. Today is the 28th of March and we just witnessed the 47th Premier of the state, Chris Minns, be sworn in. Um, Today I am met with Acting General Secretary Troy Wright and both our senior communication officers, Nigel Miles and Jason Mountney. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal peoples of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians of the land which we record this podcast and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I would like to extend the respect to Aboriginal peoples today listening. We ran a community campaign for the election, Privatisation Hurts Everyone. This was the first time we saw everyone come together and really saw the anger about privatisation. What do you think is the case that this happened? Troy, we'll start with you. I think uh, our messaging throughout this campaign, and when I say through the campaign, I mean for for our union, this goes back to uh, October or November last year, uh, when we did polling of our members and realised that the number one concern they had, aside from the obvious industrial matters such as the wages cap, was privatisation, privatisation of the services they work for, that they know are valuable to the community that they work for. And the likely scenario, if their jobs were privatised, the loss of wages and conditions that come with that. So we developed a campaign that was around privatisation, the Privatisation Hurts Everybody campaign, and it was really pleasing, really pleasing, to start that campaign with very little discussion in the community about privatisation, to see it gather momentum and be joined by other stakeholders. Other unions got on board with that campaign And eventually it became the major issue in the state election about who would privatise what and why. And um, ultimately the election was very much a decision on a party that was saying we will not privatise anything for our term. Uh, We are committed to keeping public assets and public services, public assets and public services. And uh, the choice against a Perrottet government that had a very, very long and poor record of privatising publicly owned assets. So... It was one of the first things that uh, Premier Minns stood up on uh, Saturday night and, and, and repeated his uh, commitment to not privatising. And so, by all measures, I think our PSA campaign successfully engaged people in the community, political parties, other stakeholders, and uh, ultimately contributed to the result last Saturday. Yeah. What about you guys? What do you think? I think it's taken a very long time to get to this point. You yeah. know, privatisation has never been popular. Going back to the ni- 1989 when we, we had our first privatisation, state privatisation, it, it was unpopular then. It was unpopular all the way through the last Labour government. Going, going, back, going back to the last Labour government, the coalition were actually campaigning against privatisation and it was the li- Labour government that were privatising or at least were pri- pri- privatising things like Parkley Jail. They were pretending to campaign against privatisation because the minute they got in, they started privatising left, right and centre. That's absolutely right. But of course, they won They won government by taking that position. This time around, obviously, we have to hope that we have a government that will uh, honour their pledge not to privatise anything. Uh, they've even said that they will ban privatisation. They've used the word ban privatisation. They've said that they will put Sydney Water into the constitution. I mean, I'm not sure if that's if, if that will happen, but I do think finally, after all these years, the public have realised that privatisation has been bad for the state. It's made us all poorer, and f- fingers crossed, it's a it's a an experiment. It's a 30 year experiment that has come to an end. 
you really would hope that at least for the next four years, eight years, possibly twelve years, privatization will be will be something that cannot be spoken about. It's it's that's that's our hope right now. So I guess one of the things that resonated, I think, when water started being spoken about um, during their campaign, when the Libs were asked, "Would you privatize water?" I think that's when it really gained momentum. But what we still have to add into this equation of the campaign in regards to privatisation is cost of living. I think, you know, when we went out last time and we campaigned, uh, we were talking about tollways, like, you know, there's an expense. But I think the four years, whatever was privatised has hurt the community. They feel it. They felt the pinch. Would you... Agree with that? Look, yeah, if you pull out a Year 12 economics textbook, it'll talk about what privatisation can deliver for government and community. Obviously, for government, it delivers an immediate uh, rush of income or yes. rush of capital. But uh, for the community, it promises that, you know, something's privatised, it's going to produce better outcomes, blah, 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 the market will decide, you know, com- competition. Our experience as taxpayers and residents in New South Wales, that's not the case. We've made that point many, many times over many, many years. It's its simply not the truth. It doesn't operate that way. Every single listener of this podcast, every single member of our union and every single resident in Sydney, for example, would know that every time you go through a tollway and that beep, that annoying beep yes. the car makes, your, your little e-take makes, reminds you of how much you're paying for something that used to be free. You know, the other reasons they'll give that privatisation is a great outcome for everyone is the accountability that comes with it. And we see that in our roles, in our roles as union officials and and industrial officers right through our union, uh, trying to penetrate these organisations that used to run publicly operated services or facilities like Parkley. It's it's virtually impossible. There is no accountability. You're dealing with organisations that are so powerful and aren't kept accountable by government because they're arguably some of them such as Circo are even bigger than a government. So, you know, the benefits just aren't there and I think people are waking up to it. And then when you, as you said, you link it to cost of living, uh, we know all of our members, we know all of us, everyone in, in New South Wales is experiencing horrific costs of living pressures at the moment. Inflation rates are averaging around 7% at the moment, an annual incre- increase in the cost of living, uh, you know, like... Privatisation is not going to relieve that. It's only going to add to that. And I think a lot of people made that connection during the election campaign. Um, you, you make an interesting point about privatisation in the um, prison system and you've worked very closely with our members at Parkley and at, um, I'll say Grafton, so that people know where the actual jail is. It's called Clarence Correctional Centre. And, you know, the other thing that comes with privatisation is the money the remuneration of our members and what they actually earn is a completely different ballgame to what is in the public service. And then that means there's issues with what happens in their local communities as well. So you've got you've got two models, two models where the private sector is interested in taking some of the government owns or operates. You've got a model of something that the government owns or operates that makes a profit. Okay, yes. talking about things like electricity, you're talking about things like utilities like water. They make a profit, they make a return to the government every year. Obviously, the private sector wants to step into that space and take that profit themselves. You know, the, the profit means you know, the government gets a short-term massive injection of funds and you know, loses that ongoing profit in return. The other model, and this has been increasingly occurring in probably the last 20, 30 years, which is really, really poor, is where the private operator steps into an asset or service that doesn't make a profit for the taxpayer, such as a jail, 
and offers to run it more cheaply. And the only way you can run certain things that the public sector run more cheaply, because it's not buying bibs and bobs and you're going to save money buying your inputs and all your, you know, your expenditure, the only way they can make a profit out of those things is by cutting wages and conditions of the workers. So it's a really vulture capitalism model where you're coming in going, OK, I'm just going to slash staff, less staff, lower paid staff, fewer staff, da 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 da, da casualised staff. That's the only margin they make. You know, so you've got the two models. And, you know, if the first one was where we started, where you're selling profitable assets and services. They ran out of those. There's hardly any left. And that's when they turn their attention, OK, we'll take this and we'll take that and we'll make a profit a different way. Both outcomes are bad for the taxpayer. The second form of privatisation is particularly difficult for our members. We also ran internally with our membership a campaign around insecure work, um, the pay rise, wages cap policy, we want it removed, the Industrial Relations Commission to have a fair umpire to say you can actually go and negotiate and of course privatisation. They were our key key objectives in the internal campaign with our membership what I found interesting on Sunday was the first thing the media started talking about was the pay rise, which I think is really positive for our members. So I'll start with you, Troy. How did you feel about that? And I do also think that the media has been talking about our key five objectives. as Not so much the IRC. I don't think the community will understand that as much, but everything else was spot on. Mm. Yeah, so for you're right. For, for a, we tried to run this in two parts. We ran the external message, which we've been talking about, and that seemed to resonate largely with those marginal electorates that we targeted. The second part we tried to do was particularly for PSA members to so, so what are yeah our members deserve to understand who they're voting for. Yes. When you run for parliament, you are running to be our, the boss, the employer of our members, and. Our members should have a say about who they choose as their boss, and that's really what state elections are. So. Um, we did ask all major parties or minor parties and all sitting independents a set of five yes. questions. And we got responses from most of them. Obviously, Liberals, Nationals saw fit not to even respond at all, which yes. is disappointing. I would like them to ex- at least explain or detail what their policies or their vision was going forward. But, but can I just interrupt you there? Mm. Um, we got accused when we did the candidates forum at Parramatta that we were only doing this for the ALP, which we were not. We wanted our members to have information mm. from every single party so that they understood who they were voting for. Yep. 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 No, no, no. We approached all of them and uh, most of them got back. Um, anyway, like you said, the key questions were privatisation, the wages cap, the Industrial Relations Commission, which, you know, it's a bit of a boring IR nerd question, yep. but it does have a significant impact on our members' lives when we needed an independent commission in the middle of this whole process. Uh, temporary engagement education and what, what do they envisage would they like to do with the Government Sector Employment Act. Like I said, most got back and you know most have, most have now put their commitments for the next four years on paper and I have to say the government will be made up of either a majority Labor or a minority government with support of some independents and those independents are on board as well. So we now turn our focus to making sure those promises are, uh, are carried out. You, you, you touched on also about the wages cap and it is the straight away unfortunately the obsession with the press now because they've swallowed the idea that we are all going to be pursuing the exact inflation number in our in our yep. in our wages claim um the government isn't even sworn in yet i mean the, the premier's sworn in a couple of them sworn in but you know before that even occurred we had 
major media outlets at us and other unions yeah. saying, what are you going to demand? What are you asking for? You know, we will do that in due course. We yes. want to consult with our members. We want to see what the government's going to offer. We want to take that back to our members. We have democratic processes to adhere to. We, we are, you know, a, a member-controlled union. Um, we want to make sure that our members are satisfied with whatever offer comes forward, and if not, we run a case in the Commission. And, you know, the system hasn't even been bettered down yet. <laughs> for the media to be jumping down our throats about what we're going to be asking for is a bit ridiculous and a bit premature. But nonetheless, what we are pleased about is we now have a government that will listen to our claim, yeah. will consider our claim, will come back with a counterclaim, and won't be rigging the system with a wages cap in legislation. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I'm g- just going back to the election. I'll start with you, Jason. Did we expect the win? I think as we campaigned closer, I mean, we obviously by committing ourselves to end privatisation and the wages cap, our membership is on board. But you can't win a mem- we can't win an election just by only getting public sector voters to work workers to vote for you but as we were campaigning in stations there were plenty of people who were dressed in a obviously going to a job in a private sector company or even owning it who said yeah. privatization has to go yeah it's a uh, yeah and we've got to, we've got to be vigilant we want to make sure the labor party doesn't succumb to this idea that selling things off is a thing because people hate it yeah. and the more we told them the more confident i got i think most people in the room would have had the same experience in the stations people liked the message what about you, Nigel? Yeah, yeah, the message was very well received. You know, from the moment we stepped outside and we started talking to people, I think it was a very, for, for me personally, and I went out a number of times, as, as did uh, dozens of people from the PSA, mostly had a very pleasant experience because as people approached us, they could see the message. It was privatisation hurts everyone. They understood it immediately. They agreed with it and we got the thumbs up. They took our flyers. We, you know, we handed out, I think, Nearly 20... No, it was a 30,000 flyers. 30,000 yeah. flyers. I mean, that's incredible. 30,000 flyers in the community over that six or seven week period. So look, we I, I would say that after week one, week two, it just felt like we were on a roll. I mean, and the community certainly bought into our message, which was anti-privatisation, scrap the wages cap. They Even on wages, and I never really thought they would buy into that because, of course, you know, you get a lot of this idea out there uh, that uh, maybe public servants are... Um, uh, over overpaid and underworked, but they did because they 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 understood that they understood that the public public sector includes pr- probably somebody in their family or or maybe a friend. It's four hundred and forty thousand people across the state plus their plus their families, and the message that the former government former Premier Perrottet was selling, which was that you have to have a wages cap in order to pay for infrastructure, in order to pay for everything. In the end, clearly people didn't buy that. Yeah, and. And the wages cap will go, and I can't see that. I can't see how that that idea could ever be resurrected. The idea that you can artificially cap wages for half half a million people across the state and say that we won't negotiate with you, we 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 will put a cap on it and we'll suppress your wage growth artificially for a decade. People people woke up and said, "Hang on a second, this just is not fair," and we need a change, and that's what happened. And especially during COVID, where essential workers, and our members are essential workers, work so hard to protect the community. And what about you, Troy? How did you feel? Well, you went out to Epping as well to campaign, so um, that would yeah, have that, been that, interesting. That wasn't, that wasn't received as positively as perhaps other marginal seats were. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
good to good to venture into the deep dark enemy territory occasionally. But yeah, no, I, I thought I did think the mess. I agree with uh, Nigel and Jason. The reception by the public was positive. Yeah. But um, the reception was very positive throughout the stations, uh, throughout the engagement of the public. The reception to the ads was very positive, and that's when you know you're on a winning message. And, yeah. You know, I I hope. It's not for us now to crow about a winning message. It's about politicians now recognising that's how they got elected. Um, that's yes. what people voted for and acknowledging that and, and adhering by that for the next four, eight, twelve, sixteen, whatever years it may be. Um, they need to remember that that was what the public voted for. Exactly. Now, we're obviously happy because we're going to work with a government that will actually – we might not agree all the time, but you can actually have a conversation – but this does change a lot for our members because at the end of the day, we've still got five key objectives that we need to see changed. But what do you feel is the really important thing here for our members? Oh, it's hard to hard to summarise down to one. I think it's great that we have, yeah, like, you know, on those key points, we have a, a government's going to clear off the wages cap, a government's going to commit to non-privatisation, all those sorts of things. I think probably the big... The big thing that excites me the most is that we now have a government that listens and respects to the jobs our members do and listens and respects to us as their union. Um, we will be able to have an extra mechanism to resolve disputes. So when yes. we have a problem with a department that's doing what we think is the wrong thing, not consulting about it, restructuring in a poor way, cutting jobs, stuffing up things, whatever it may be, um, although it's not a mechanism we use all the time, you know, under the coalition government, you'd approach a minister and they'd never even respond. You wouldn't meet with them, you wouldn't hear back from them. We didn't have that mechanism. Now we've at least got an avenue that we've got ministers, we'll have ministers, we've got members of parliament that respect and listen to the PSA and respect and listen to PSA members. So um, we'll be able to see them more regularly and talk to them about the issues arising in their portfolios and know that that will be taken on board. And that... Sounds trivial, but believe me, it's massive. It's a massive, massive shift to what we've experienced in the last 12 years where we've been shut out, haven't been engaged, our members haven't had a voice. You've now got a voice and it's something to be excited about. Yeah, and I think we should add to most departments have joint consultative committees that even the heads of HR weren't attending, you know, and it's really important for our members to be heard right from the top so that they can actually make changes that are required in the workplace, which is really, really important. Now, I'm going to finish off, but if everyone can just... What was your favourite thing about the campaign and what are you looking forward to? One of those five main questions that we did ask everybody was it was about, obviously, conversion from temporary roles yes. into, uh, into permanent ongoing positions. Yep. So, uh, you know, really, I would say that if we, if we see that happen in the next six months um, if we see thousands of our PSA members go from long-term temporary jobs into into secure jobs uh, into secure lo permanent positions ongoing roles whatever you want to call them the fact is that those those members of ours will be very happy uh, I'll be very happy personally because I, I really do think that you know uh, if if the pay rise is very nice and obviously it's very important that we do get a good pay rise for our members but a secure job a secure yes. job is is really the most important thing for you and your family. You know, when you wake up in the morning, not knowing whether or not you've got a shift or maybe come November, not knowing whether or not you'll be contracted again 
to continue to work, let's say, at the same school where you've been working for perhaps 10 or 15 years, yeah. 10 or 15 years and you don't know whether or not you'll be working next year. Hopefully, hopefully that will come to an end and we'll see thousands of PSA members converted into ongoing, ongoing roles. That'll be a fantastic win, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, that both parties promised conversion, so it will be especially with Department of Education in schools. So it'll be really interesting to see um, that be fulfilled. I think also, if we go back to privatisation, towards the end, Mr Perrottet sniffed the wind and said that uh, privatisation is uh, off, the, off the plate, off the, off, the, off, off the plans. And then subsequently we had the two candidates in the southern part of the state holding up their cards saying that they would happily flog water for whatever was offered to them. We had Felicity Wilson, I think, until the very, very end, committing herself to uh, euphemism of asset recycling. So we went to the election... And it's, you know, people talk about these union staff in ivory towers, but we went to the stations and we were on par with people. We had their trust. And the opponent we had was saying one thing and his people behind him were saying nothing. He went to the thing with the voters not trusting a word he said. I think my most exciting things out of the uh, election campaign are yet to come. Yeah. I, think, I think actually seeing what we fought for being materialised and seeing that our members are now going to be free to do the important work they do without industrial warfare going on, yeah. um, hopefully. Um, the idea that, they, like I said earlier, they'll be consulted, they'll have a participation in their workplaces. I, I, look, I, I, I'm more excited about tomorrow and the day after, next week, next month and next year than I have been about what we've done. And, you know, I, I really look forward to the opportunities that are going to arise for our members. I really look forward to the opportunity that, you know, that, that, that they're going to get decent pay rises that are fair, that are reasonable, all that sort of stuff. So the highlight of the campaign was Labor winning. Yes. Um, which mean and what it means for our members. No, I totally agree with you. And I'd like to thank you all for joining us this week on the podcast. And um, there's going to be interesting podcasts to come to see what happens with this new elected government. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm.